have a dream that all men are created equal. G'day everyone, welcome back to your story, I'm Ian Kath, this is episode 48. It's been a while, sorry about that, but life's getting in the way, and I also, I've blown it, I've actually made a bit of a mistake. As I've mentioned before, I've gone through my initial first circle of people I know who I thought would be interesting for the show, and it's now getting a little bit more difficult for me to find people. You'd think actually I'd be able to get anybody, but it's not really the case. It takes a little bit of effort to find people to come on your story. And I have had to learn some new strategies for recruiting people to uh, get them onto the show. And I think I've got something happening quite well. And in the next, hopefully, few weeks, I've got a few people lined up to be able to sit down and record too. So hopefully there'll be a few shows coming through on a little bit more regular basis. It has been a bit lean in the last couple of months. I know that last episode cost me a huge amount of effort, as I mentioned, and uh, took quite a while to put out. And while I was doing that, I wasn't actually doing the preparation in finding other people and uh, that cost a bit of delay and sadly it's the way it is but I've actually got quite a few people and I'm actually getting people to search people for me so hopefully we'll get some interesting talent on the show shortly and talking about the previous episode it uh, is still bubbling along quite nicely I'm very happy with the downloads and I've been promoting it very heavily with everybody I interact with I'd still like to encourage you to you know, promote and listen. If you haven't listened to it, it's a particularly great episode. I've got a friend at Tango who's actually contacted Cliff and has taken his advice. And she's ex-ballet, so her body is pretty well screwed from doing all the hard yards when she was in her teens and 20s. And she's starting to say that she's already seen some positive effects. I'm really fascinated to watch her and see if she gets anywhere with this and uh, the involvement of it. I've asked her to post a comment on the site when she eventually has done that so that we can all see what she went through. The excitement in her voice and in her face, the sense of hope that at long last maybe she's found something that's going to help her was uh, quite rewarding. I loved it. I hope she has great success with it. We'll see in time. So if you haven't listened to the previous episode, uh, episode 47, about cliff please pop over there and have a listen to it it's a great episode i really enjoyed putting that one together not that there are episodes i don't enjoy producing i love producing all of them they're wonderful and i love meeting these people and frankly the easiest part of is actually sitting down with them and actually recording the episode because that's just a conversation it's all this back-end work like what i'm doing right now and i get a little bit unfamiliar with this microphone and writing the blog post and all that sort of stuff because i don't do it enough but anyway I'm here in front of the microphone and I'm rabbiting onto you people, so I better shut up and get on with this. Remember, the site is over at yourstorypodcast.com. Please leave a comment. Please send me some emails. It's great to get any comment at any stage, past, present, 
you know, I wish you could do future, tell me what I'm up to. So please do that. Facebook fan page, just go and search for your story on Facebook. You won't have any trouble finding it. If you haven't friended me on Facebook, please do that. My name, Ian, Kath, Kath spelt with a K. Iodo Promonet, Iodo Alliance is the name of the company. They supply the music that I use on this and I've got a couple of nice little tracks. I actually uh, got them off another podcast that I listened to and he did the hard work for me in finding and I like them so much I just went and found the tracks and used them. I think they're particularly good. Anyway, let's get into the show. Have you ever had a situation within a relationship where you've suspected that somebody's been up to a bit of mischief behind your back? Doing a few things that maybe uh, you don't really know about but you suspect and then nibbling away at you, chewing away at your, your gut you're not sure what's going on. Are you just being insecure? Are you really just hung up on this? Or are they actually up to mis- some mischief? How would you sort this out? How would you reconcile this gut feeling that you have? Today's episode is about a woman who, well, through a few of her own personal life experiences, ended up starting a private investigation business, particularly wanting to help people with infidelity issues, finding out if their partner is up to mischief up to no good she came about this by working in the police force a particularly good story working uh, with the anti-prostitution unit here in queensland she's also written a book the book is actually a tremendous read i had to drag myself away from it in order to actually do this recording it's a book of short stories quite a wonderful little read all the links are over at the site so if you want to check that out but today we talk to tiffany bond who is uh, the director of detection group here in brisbane we're a nationwide private investigation firm Private investigation. This will be interesting. So before we get into it, what's your background, Tiffany? My background is I'm an ex-debt collector, ex-security officer and ex-police officer. Okay, Hmm. okay. What age did you go into the police force? Straight out of school? No, I went into the police when I was about 23, I think it was. Okay, that's fairly mature. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Were you doing the other things before the police force? Yeah, when I was 18, I started debt collecting. That's how I started (laughs) my career and then moved into security. What's it like being a debt collector at 18? Um, it was pretty scary, actually, because you get abused all the time. Yeah, well, you were a very attractive woman, <laughs> and at 18, you would have been drop-dead gorgeous. <laughs> so so is how, how does somebody who's drop-dead gorgeous at 18 collect debts? Very easily, actually. <laughs> With flutty eyelids. Yeah, and I found it helped, actually, because the male debtors especially didn't find me threatening in any way. So you send in a big burly guy, instantly they're going to get their back up. But yeah. when I walked in, I treat them with respect, and I found it a lot easier than the other guys did. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. So even though you theoretically could be a pushover, you're actually a lot tougher than a big boofy bloke because you, yeah, you know the way, way the dynamic between men and women goes. No, it's all about communicating. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And you were successful at that? Yeah. Yeah, I did that for about so, three years. So why didn't you stay in that? Why didn't you, why did you join the police force? That was my dream since I was a little kid. I did all that work to get into the police. And that qualified you to be a copper? Yeah, well, see, there's two ways to get in. You've got to do a justice diploma, which I got as well, or you can have life experience. And I really wanted to make sure that I was ready to get into the police, and I wanted as much life experience as possible behind me. That's smart. So I did all the fields that related to the police before I, I actually um, applied so, to get in. So you were in quite valuable in a way. Yeah, yeah, well, I did quite well. I taught about Ducks the Academy. Okay, so, yeah. right, here's the thing. Oh, lovely, thank you. You've got ducks of the academy, mm. a couple of hundred yeah. police cadets, yeah. and you pulled off top. Yeah. Well done. Thank you. How long were you in the police force for? I was in the police for about three and a half years. Now, you wanted to be in the police force ever since you were a little girl, and you only were in there for three and a half years. How come? I met my ex-husband 
and I sort of gave up my career to uh, support him and have a family. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, what did you do in the police force? Um, I spent two and a half years in general uniforms and a year undercover in the prostitution unit. Ooh. Yeah. Okay. General uniform, what's that like? Um, pretty cool. Yeah. I mean, you just go out the road and you just respond to jobs, basically. Okay. But um, this, is, this is what we all see in society. Yeah. You know, everyday yeah. stuff. Exactly. Know? This yeah. is what you do. But the best thing about it is that whenever you start a shift, you don't know what's going to come in. You know, you just you have no idea what to expect. The radio goes off. It could be, you know, a, a murder or it could be a break and enter or anything. You don't, and I love that. Yeah. Right, right. And and you would have seen the whole range of things, wouldn't you? Yeah, yeah. I saw a lot of stuff. Yeah. yeah, yeah. yeah. For example? Oh, look, what springs saw, to mind? Oh, straight away, obviously, the bad things jumped into my head. <clears throat> I saw quite a lot of dead bodies. That's the first thing that I sort of... You can't ever forget that. Yeah. Had so, you ever seen... You know, corpse prior to joining the police Um, force? no. Right. No, no. So, you have to go to an autopsy in the academy. Sure. So that was my first experience yeah, of that. Yeah, training. Yeah, exactly. So, no, I, there was like, the one that jumps out, which I sort of never forgot about, was a guy that died in a uh, car accident. Someone had hit him from behind. These two cars were dragging each other and hit him and clipped him and he rolled and car caught fire and he died trying to get out. And that was pretty bad. And um, the burnt body smell actually stayed in my police boots for weeks. The uniforms I threw out. But every time I got dressed for work, I just that smell was there for weeks. Of burnt flesh. Of burnt, exactly. Just yeah. burnt, yeah. It was, yeah. So that, that's, that's probably the main thing that jumps out in my head I've never gotten over. Nasty one. Okay. Tell us about the undercover work in the police force. That was great fun. <laughs> I loved it. Enthusiasm in her eyes. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was cool. So I spent probably... You know, three quarters of my time standing on the corner in the valley, posing as a prostitute. Okay. And the other quarter I spent doing surveillance and then raiding and shutting down illegal brothels. Okay, so this is during the current era of legal prostitution? No, this was 99 and in 2000 they legalised the first lot of brothels. So back when I was in it, no brothels were legal. Okay. Yeah. So you were trying to find... All vice situations, basically, uh, all the illegal brothels. Yep. All the brothels, because yeah. they were all illegal. Yep. But you were also staying on street corner, so you're trying to pick up, uh, yeah, you know, cruisers. Yeah, we're targeting the men and and charging charging them basically for soliciting. Soliciting. Yeah. yeah. Tell us about that. Okay. Um, I used to like wear like knee high boots and a short skirt and the t-shirt. But I used to try and rough it up a bit. You can't look too clean because I'm not going to believe you that you're especially a in the prostitute. valley. Yeah, exactly. They're all pretty rough You've got looking. Look a, bit, look, look a bit skinny. Yeah, exactly. So I did that. But I'd have like a thigh holster on and I'd have had a listening device strapped to me, and my boss would be nearby, basically recording all my conversations that I have with everyone. And I just stand there and wait for a guy to either drive up usually or walk up. And they'd approach me and I could never say anything to them. And all they had to do was offer to pay money for a sex act. That's the elements of the offence committed. And he's charged. <clears throat> so what I'd say is... So if they try to pick you up for a good time but yeah. not pay money, yeah, no. that's just a pick-up? Exactly. I okay. just ignore them tell them to go away. Right. Yeah. So, but if they did go ahead with the offence, I'd walk down the road as if I'm walking to a unit to okay. meet with them. And they drive down, they get pulled over, notice to appear court, off they go. You do that all night. Wow. So yeah. it's just like stinging somebody for a speeding ticket almost. Yeah, exactly. It's not driving around giving out speeding tickets. We're just giving out tickets for people trying to pick up prostitutes. Yeah. Wow. It almost sounds like a production line. Yeah, it was. Actually, Indy night, you know, uh, Indy down at the yeah. Gold Coast, 
the last day of India was a Sunday. That was the busiest night of the year. It was just horrendous. In the valley or down yeah, there? Yeah, in the valley. All these guys are coming back, all pumped up, full of testosterone from the Indy, and they were lining up. But I literally had cars lining up down the street waiting to talk to me. And um, I had really sore feet by the end of that. So, but it's just... so they were lining up and you were busting the guy in front? Well, that's the thing. They were literally there. They were driving in the road getting pulled over. We had, we had a procession of cars waiting to get tickets to be charged. It was mad. Why didn't they just see what was going on in front of them? They obviously was, didn't notice. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it was amazing. That's but, um, extraordinary. So you'd yeah. just be giving them the tickets. Yeah, I'd be and... walking them down. They were almost like, here's another one, walk back up, here's another one, walk back up. And they just they didn't notice. They were obviously so pumped up. They just... They're probably thinking, like, oh, this guy can't handle this chick shit. You know, he's not tough yeah, enough. He's yeah. not a man enough. I'll get her. Yeah. In yep. front to you and then gets a ticket. It was amazing. That's yep. extraordinary. Yeah. I was actually walking one guy down to be charged and another one approached me while I was walking with this guy. So I grabbed him too and went down with both Two of them. Two at once. Yeah. That's like the best of sales, isn't it? You know? <laughs> it was amazing. That's yeah. extraordinary. But uh, it was actually, that was probably the scariest night, though, out of the whole year because a car pulled up with five guys in it, three were in the back and two in the front, and I never hop in a car with a, with a guy for safety reasons, and they were trying to pull me in the car. They'd already committed the offence, they offered to pay money for a sex act, and they tried to pull me in the car. But they did as a group? Yeah, they, right. yeah, they all, all... They wanted a group act. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. so I accepted. It was a ridiculously priced amount, but it doesn't really matter. It's still in the fence. Okay, how much? It, was, it, it was, yeah, they never wanted, happened. They wanted to pay $5 each for a head job. Five dollars, and one even handed me a five dollar note. So I thought, what's the evidence? I, like, I thought you were going to say something like five thousand dollars. No, no, you know, no, no. I'm prepared to pay the other end. Yeah. You know? <laughs> they're probably very surprised. I said yes. I'm like yes. So um, it doesn't matter. It, yeah. If you're going to bust them, it's any amount. Of money. That's exactly right. Yeah. yeah. So, um, but they tried to drag me in the car, and I had a code word which I'd give to my that I'd say my boss would know, and they'd come running and help me. But I didn't give it. And I thought, no, I'm still right. But I was concerned they were going to, because they were touching my legs and touching everywhere, and I thought they were going to feel my gun and know I was a cop. So anyway, I ended up getting out of the car, because I was dragged half in there, and I said, look, I'll meet you down the road. So I started walking down the road. They started driving down the road. Must have smelt a rat or something wasn't right. They did a U-turn, took off. So we ended up chasing them down one-way streets, and we finally caught them. And the three guys in the back seat took off and ran. The passenger guy got out and ran. The driver got stuck in his seatbelt, so we got him. But in the back seat, we found nunchucks, rope, knives, handcuffs, just bad stuff. So oh, I don't this know, could have got messy. It, exactly. I mean, while I was working there, three prostitutes actually went missing and two were found murdered in that year. Right. So I'm glad it was me and not a real prostitute who would have hopped in the car yeah. and may have ended up dead or yeah. seriously injured. They, did you get all five of them eventually? No, but they were, they were wanted. We tried to get the name out of the driver. I believe he released some names. Right. But uh, I left the unit not long after that. Okay. So, wow. Yeah. That's nasty. <clears throat> yeah. 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 Was it really dangerous? That was a potentially dangerous. It didn't quite get to the no. danger. But were there any real dangers? No, not really. Just just a lot of perverts driving past, sort of flogging off, looking at you, and then drive off again. Just weird stuff, just random stuff. So you left the police force. Was that a good thing for you to do, or do you regret it? Sitting here right today, I don't regret it, but it took me about five years to get over it. Mm-hmm. I was really quite down about it and um because you enjoyed the police force so much it was my life right i lived and breathed the police okay it was i gave it 110 percent was there a little bit of resentment that you had to give it away yeah yeah there was okay yeah 
Okay, but we often do that in life, don't we? Yeah. Especially for things like children. Exactly. It's one of the um, blessings and curses of being a woman, I think, yeah. is that you can have these careers, but if you want to have children in amongst a career, it's, there is yeah. there is no way to do it easily. And unfortunately, no. men aren't having children yet. So no, no, no. <laughs> don't worry, one day it may happen. It probably will, actually. <laughs> but for the moment, women yeah. have no choice but to compromise their yeah. professional life. That's the thing, and it's it's a hard choice to make. And either way, I think you're sort of criticised, especially if you choose your career over your children. I choose to still work. Women are still being criticised for that. You're right, and I think they're being criticised the other way because then when you're 40, 50 years old and you don't have kids, you go, well, how selfish were you? Only exactly. looking after your career. Exactly. So I think it's you know, rock and a hard place. That well, you just As long as you do what you think's right and you follow your I own so. heart and don't listen to what other people say, you need to do what's right for you. By the sounds of it, you um, unplugged from the police service and then you started your own variation on it. What are your specialities? Okay, How did yeah. you get into it? Well, Detection Group, I originally set it up and we specialise in infidelity cases. So I wanted there to be somewhere where people can go to get help when they're having problems at home in relation to infidelity issues or even suspicions of it. Because there's no one, no one really that specialises in that area. And when you're so there's no there's that, no infidelity detective work done these days. It's done, but no one really specialises in it per oh, se. Okay. Yeah. So there's, you can be, general. Yeah, PIs will do it. Yeah. But I wanted there to be a place that people knew that's what we do. We specialise in that. We can help you out with that. And female centric. That's the thing too. Being, is that is that a rare animal? Yeah. In, oh yeah. In the fight investigation work. Yeah, there are females out there, but there's not many. It is a male-dominated area. So, what does infidelity mean to you? And, Look, and does that differ from what your clients see as infidelity? Infidelity is different for everyone. Infidelity could mean you physically have to have sex with someone else. Infidelity could be that your partner is in sex chat rooms. Infidelity could be you know, flirting with someone at work inappropriately. It's, everyone's different. Everyone needs to know where the boundaries are within their own relationship and know what that line is that you step over before it becomes infidelity. Infidelity doesn't just mean sex. I think it's the old, like, Clinton. Yeah, I did you not know? have sex exactly. with that woman. Exactly, yeah. you know, it's, it's, just, it's that. It's, it's what you deem in your relationship to be acceptable or not acceptable. And that's something that they have to have worked out themselves. Exactly. And do they share that with you? Yep, yeah. And when you get a client, does are they always women? Do you have always uh, female clients? I started off mostly with female clients. Then it became sort of 50-50, actually. And just in the last probably four months, it's more female again. Okay. Hmm. So these women, for argument's sake, do they explain to you what they refer to as infidelity? Yeah. And then you have to see if, if you know, they're partner has crossed that line? Yes. Is that what you have to do? Yep. How do you go about doing it? Give us some examples. Yeah, well look, a client will sort of first ring up and they're always very nervous, I've got to try and prize it out of them because they're obviously very embarrassed. But I'll ask them how their relationship's going, what their relationship is like at the present stage, what is it exactly they think their partner's doing and how they think that, like what signs have they seen to think what they think about their partner's infidelity. And then I'll, I'll obviously sort of let them know, look, if it's something overt like he's the only one staying back at the office with the secretary every night at 10 o'clock, you sort of say, well, look, that looks a bit suspicious. 
can't obviously say yes or no, but it doesn't look right. Because sometimes when you're that wrapped up and involved in something, you make excuses for the other person, you try and talk yourself out because you don't want to think that of your partner. So they're fine, they start to talk themselves out of it. I yep. thought it'd be the other way. Yeah, no. So the further that person crosses that line, the more they talk themselves into thinking, no, no, he wouldn't do that, so that's okay. They seem to almost accept it's weird. I've got to sort of try and bring them back. Like, for instance, I had one client, we caught him going into a brothel got him going in there and came out an hour later and he said he was going to a doctor's appointment some doctor yeah exactly yeah <laughs> did a real good check so i gave her the evidence I said look he's visited a brothel and then she said that she spoke to him she confronted him with the evidence and he said no i just went in there and nothing ever happened i just spoke to her so then she rang me and said look he said that he didn't actually have sex so is that okay like he didn't have sex so it's 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 not infidelity is it and i said look Go back a couple of months before you even spoke to me. If someone said, is it okay for your husband to even visit a brothel, what would your thoughts be on that? And she goes, well, definitely no. I said, well, then you need to remember that. Because as you get wrapped up in it, they, I find my clients seem to stretch their boundaries out more and more. I find that fascinating that they make excuses rather than find fault. Yeah, and women it's, do that. Right, yeah. right. It's, it's, it's like poor old Tiger Woods and his missus, you know, basically, you know, she yeah. was allowing all these skanky hoes yeah. because he wouldn't go out with those sort of women because he yep. chose me and I'm gorgeous, exactly. so why would he go yep. out with them? Yep, okay. exactly. You do that. It's, it's, it's a self-preservation thing. Because you want to keep the relationship going. Yeah, you, you want to keep the relationship going. Plus, you don't, because to even fathom that your partner is, has, has an extra life outside of yours is not something you want to deal with. It's huge. It has, How extreme have you found that? Have you gone, you know, people with separate families? Yeah, I found one guy once. He, um, we did surveillance on him. She left town to go out for work. So she was gone for three days. And we did surveillance on him for a couple of days. And we found that he was actually staying with another woman. And my agent actually went to the door under pretext of looking for directions. And his little kid came to the door. His boy didn't think much of it. And he came to the door as well, got his directions and then left. We got it all on camera. Anyway, so I presented the evidence to the client. And I said, yeah, he was staying in this girl's house for the two nights that you were gone. So she confronted him. And he said, yes, I've been seeing her for about six years. And she ran me and told me about it. And I said, oh, okay, because I usually counsel them through the breakup. And then she brings me back a week later and he admitted that kid was actually his. How much of this is the responsibility also of the women, do you think? I'm looking into that at the moment, actually. I think relationships are two-sided. There's always two sides to every story. And when I do an investigation, I don't ever take anyone's side. I go in there, I do the job, unbiased, and present the facts. Now, I think that apart from the, the people who obviously have some sort of wish to procreate with many different people in, in a normal relationship I think you both have to be responsible for maintaining that level of connection and that gets lost in the day-to-day -day living you've got businesses you've got work you've got children you've got family you might have an illness someone's mother's sick someone's you know you've got another baby on the way but you've got to remember before all of that it was only just you two, and you can never forget that. Doesn't matter what else happens in life, you have to keep coming back to that. And I think people lose that. Are you saying that, even though, and we'll we'll stick with the generic type. He yep. goes out and plays around. Yep. Are you saying that she's responsible for some of that too? I don't. I, I sort of say, well, I don't, I don't tell the client that obviously, but no, I'm after it's, what you it's think. It's for me. Think, yeah. No, I personally think to myself, why? Do, why do people cheat? 
is it just because every time someone cheats, that person is, you know, being generic, a bastard? Or is it because there's something lacking in the relationship that possibly the wife has contributed to as well? So that, I find that interesting. And, that's, and do you have any answers? Yeah, look, I think sometimes, especially if you have children, your main focus, especially for a woman, is the children. And they probably feel like they don't really have a right to or even feel the need or even have the time to look lovely anymore and look after themselves and feel pretty. They're just they're tired, they're run down, they're looking after the kids. All they talk all day to is kids. They don't have adult stimulation anymore. And it's, you know, you, it just, you start to probably get a bit run down and tired. And then the, the husband's obviously thinking, oh, my wife's boring now. She doesn't look after the kids, doesn't look after herself anymore. And, and she's thinking, well, he's a bastard, he's always at work. And, you know, he doesn't find me attractive anymore. And But are you saying that the 50s wife is the better role model? You know. 50s wife. Yeah, well, you know, at 4.30 before he comes home, she goes inside and freshens her makeup up, pours a lovely oh. cocktail for him and greets him at the door with a smile. Yeah, no, I wouldn't go that far. <laughs> <laughs> but um, I still think, not you don't do it for your husband, you do it for yourself. I think all women, all, everyone's beautiful. Every woman is beautiful in their own way. And I think that you as a person should want to keep that up for yourself, not for your husband. You don't, don't, you don't do things like that for your husband. You do it for yourself and your husband will find that attractive because you care about yourself. Have you found situations where relationships have been on the brink? You know, he's been out playing around. She's given him a second chance. She's improved her act yeah. and pulled something off. That happens a lot. A lot of my clients do that. They, they've told they've stayed with their husband and she has said um, that, look, I've, I've been a bit, you know, sort of, not very sort of good in the relationship. We haven't had sex for 12 months. I've been knocking them back for it. So you're saying these women actually are taking responsibility. Well, they're part of the responsibility. Yeah, well, for instance, that woman, that husband we caught out going to the brothel, she stayed with him and she actually rang me and said to me, look, I think I'm partly to blame. I haven't been looking after myself. You know, I'm pretty dowdy and I haven't been wanting to have sex with him for quite a while. So she said, I've gone out, got myself a new haircut. I'm losing some weight. And, you know, so that's, that was her take on it. Okay. She, she took responsibility in that as well. Do you know how that relationship evolved after that? No, uh, no. You probably wouldn't necessarily keep in touch with them. No, either. I don't contact them. Sometimes they contact me and update me on how things are going. Do you, what sort of stories do you get out of that? Um, usually the ones that update me are the ones that have left their partners. Oh, okay. <laughs> yeah. How do you bust the infidelity? What's the strategies? Strategies. Well, the main, the main one is I sort of ask the client their partner's movements and sort of interests and, and a bit about his personality and then it's just basically good old footwork we just follow them oh really yeah we try and find out if we can a certain time or day that they suspect that is or she is being unfaithful it makes it a lot easier for us otherwise we're not trying to find a needle in a haystack but we just follow them either from work during lunch breaks from home on a saturday whatever whatever day the client thinks something's not right. We just follow them and catch them out that way. Mm. On your site, you've got a, um, a current affair story yes. that you did. Yeah. Um, was that set up by a current affair? No, that was actually a well, current affair filmed it, but it was actually a real All right. job. Okay, okay they, that was a real job. Yeah, the okay. client gave him permission to um, have current affair come in on it if we blanked out the faces. Yeah. Um, that was, I thought, quite a classic. You, you were in a um, bar mm -hmm. and you basically engaged with him and then he approached you and yep. busted. How much is that entrapment? I don't call it entrapment. Some I, people would, though. That, of course they would. A lot of people do. <laughs> I go back to my old training from their prostitution days where we don't approach the driver, they come to us. So if I'm hired to do an integrity test on someone's husband, 
I'll basically, I might make eye contact with the guy, but I won't approach him. I won't do anything. I won't walk up to him and say, hi, how are you going, or anything like that. I'll make him come to me. If he doesn't come to me, he's basically passed the test, I say to the client, and I'll obviously watch him while I'm there as well, just in case he's doing something else to some other women. That's basically how it rolls. And then as we start talking, I'll match him. So if he starts saying things, I'll sort of increase my level of interest as well. So he thinks I'm interested in him and I'll just keep matching whatever he does. Okay, so you, there's nothing overtly in the flirt, oh. but, but you match the flirt. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Like if he says, oh, you know, you're really attractive or something, I'll say, yeah, you're not bad yourself. Okay. Just so he doesn't think that I'm not interested. And I suppose with that information, the client could decide how much maybe in their judgment that could be entrapment that's up to them to decide that, that's up to them exactly because they get the um video recording because i've got covert footage of it so she can people know their partners so when they watch his mannerisms they'll know that's something that that's something he does to me when he's you know being affectionate with me i didn't think he'd do that's, it to another strange woman that's how he picked me up Exa initially. exactly yeah. and that's nothing i wouldn't know but she would yeah. and then she can hear what he says and how he says it so it might not mean much to me, but it might mean a lot to the, to the client. Why did you choose this particular path? You know, you could be out there looking for lost kittens. You could be, <laughs> you, could be you know, you, you could be doing um, industrial, you know, investigations. You know, yeah. you could, all sorts of stuff. Why? Oh, no, okay, you've got the prostitution. <laughs> it sounds wrong, doesn't yeah. it? You've got the prostitution background. Yeah, yeah. But, wait, so why did you go down the infidelity path? It, I find it fascinating. I... I don't know. I mean, the quasi psychology of it. Yeah, just anything that's sort of out of left centre in, in in life. I love it. Okay. I love the the dirty sort of side of life and the the, the gritty side of things. And and apart from all that, on a business perspective, there was a, a hole in the market. In '73, the uh, Family Law Act, whatever it was called, came through. I think it was '73, which meant that there was no fault divorce. That's right. Allowed. Yep. I think I heard up until that point in time, this particular field that you're in mm. was just a boom industry. Oh, it's Because huge. people needed some form of blame in order to yep. get out of, out of a marriage. Exactly. And they were using this as a one mechanism. That's all gone now. Yes. So it's no fault divorce. Yep. Is it used in court cases? Look, some, some of it's used in court if they're trying to show like a character of a particular person. Or they're trying to show that, say, like we had one case where a guy was gambling an uh, extreme amount of money each year right. at a betting agency. So we use that evidence for her, for court. So when it came time for the financial settlement, that money that he spent on gambling could come off his side of the settlement. Right. So we had that. But that's not the uh, infidelity, infidelity side. side of stuff. No, see. So it's, it sounds it's, like the infidelity has been basically taken out of the whole yeah, divorce. Yeah, exactly. Thing. You don't you don't need it. It's just it's more about character if, if you need it for court. And the other main reason I find clients are hiring investigators for infidelity investigations is for peace of mind. These people will ring me. They are just beside themselves. They they're distraught. They're not sleeping at night. They're crying. And they need that information to move on. So it's like a psychological thing. It's not, it's not for law. It's for them. Is that the service that you're actually giving people, do you think? Peace of mind. Yeah. Oh, look, the change in my clients, once you've given them the evidence and we've talked them through it and it's finalised, the change in them is amazing. They're just so, in what sense? They're just so much stronger and more confident and think, finally, I knew I wasn't going crazy, but I hear that all the time. I think I'm going crazy. People are telling me I'm going crazy. Of course, your partner's not cheating. As soon as they get that evidence, it's just 
they, they feel really confident. It, it gives them the power to, to make choices. And that's where they make one of two decisions, either to yep. change their act and yep. keep the person or yep. giving, giving them the flick yeah. and move on. Yeah, Okay, exactly. either way, it's a decision. And, and either way, they know. It's a not knowing that yes. just eats away at them. And, yes. and it can go on for months, years, and it's in your head every single day, and that's draining. Sure. This is the infidelity side. What other aspects of it? Oh, we do quite a few things. Another service we offer is DNA testing. Ah, how priced is that nowadays? I've heard it's coming down. Yeah, to do one, like, say, test one set of underwear, $300 plus GST. Is that all? Mm. Okay. So people are sending their, usually women, sending their men's underwear. Right. And we'll test it to see if there's any um, specimens in there. Right, from another woman. Exactly. And then once we find female DNA inside her husband's underwear... We'll then take a swab of her to negate Ma- that or match it that it's hers. Yeah, is that what scientific proof that some other woman's DNA is in her husband's underwear? Yeah, and that doesn't just happen. No, no, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Okay. Mm. Um, what about paternity? Do you do DNA? Do you help people with yeah, paternity? Yeah, it's not a service I offer, but I can certainly do it. Point them in the right direction. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. We, we we can take that on board. Yeah. Um, I yeah. find I find it interesting as this DNA technology evolves, people are finding out that you know they've raised three kids but oh. only two of them are their own and the other ones are ringing from this somewhere. is becoming big now the yeah. csa are having to turn around claims csa their child support agency because yep. people have been paying child support for children for like 12 years they finally done a paternity test found that it's not their child so that the person has to pay back 12 years worth of yeah child support but it's not at the same amount it's minuscule amounts and it literally it'd probably take 300 years to pay it back like oh, because they haven't got the money often so it's five dollars yeah, a week sort of yeah. To pay. yeah but yeah so these these poor people have been paying child support all this time it's never their child yeah. there's, there's a lot of them popping up at the moment just an aside i heard they've done global dna tests amongst you know a portion of the global population and it's I've heard two figures between 10 and 25% of the world's population gives a Father's Day card to the wrong person. Really? 10% is the absolute minimum. It could be as high as a quarter of the world's population. Wow. That behaviour of women being promiscuous, especially after they've had a couple of kids with the main partner, yeah. then going and sowing her wild oats with yeah. another partner in order to spread the DNA. This is a biological yeah. desire. <laughs> that is incredibly high. That is very high. And some evolutionary psychologists actually say it is entirely appropriate and within a tribal community, you'll have your primary partner who's actually a good provider, but you look across the campfire and he over there is also a bit of a stud, so you'll tear one off with him, have another kid. <laughs> Have your primary partner raise it. Yeah. You know, it's still happening today. Wow. You know, it, it makes perfect sense if you want to keep the species evolving. Yeah, yeah. So these women, in a way, can't help themselves. Actually, I had one case once where the client was a male and he hired me to do surveillance on his girlfriend who was still married to her husband at the time, but he wanted to make sure that she wasn't only just cheating on her husband with him and not someone else as well. Oh, if, if she'll do it with me, she might do it with others. Yeah. Well, you know, that like if, you, if you're going to if you're going, if you're going to play the game with somebody who's adulterous, why yeah. won't they be adulterous to you? Yeah, yeah. So that was quite an interesting sort of angle to come in from. But what did you find? Oh, nothing. She wasn't. She was only cheating with him. Oh, okay. So, so he relaxed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Don't, don't let your guard down, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> You've got a whole heap of stories. Yeah. You know, You've got a way of getting this out to people. Tell us about the book. Okay, it's called Confessions of a Female Private Investigator. 
and it's basically a whole bunch of stories from my ex-police days, undercover days, security debt collecting and of course my infidelity current work in there as well. Right. So I wrote it to sort of help people who might be in similar situations. I wrote it you know, as entertainment as well and to let people know that this sort of stuff does happen out there. Okay, and what I'll do is on the site, yourstorypodcast.com, I'll actually put a link to the book. Okay. And people can find it that way. Okay. They can also go to your site yep. and find you there. If they want to get hold of you, what's your website address? Um, Tiffany at detectiongroup.com.au. Okay. And do you work primarily southeast Queensland or do you tend to travel around a bit? No. I mean, I, I'm based in Brisbane, but I've got agents all around Australia and oh, even okay. overseas. We do international work as well. I think that I would be most proud of, which what I thrive to do, is to help people change their lives. I believe that me personally, I'm here to help people. I love helping people. So I would like to know that when I finally die, I've helped change people's lives along the way. That's, that's all I want. Wonderful. Mm. Tiffany Bond, thank you very much for coming on Your Story. You're very welcome. Thank you. It's been great fun. Bye-bye. Hey. in the naked city. This has been one of them.